Welcome to Real Talk Arkansas. I'm your host, Cody Ford, Outreach and Programming Director for the Arkansas Cinema Society. When it comes to making a movie work, things are happening on so many levels. You know, obviously we think of story and we think of acting and even sound as sort of the ones that are first and foremost, but there's so many other little things. And one of the most important things is a score. I mean, without that, it's just things can sound kind of awkward. So today we have a special guest on the show who is, you know, well-known in the Arkansas film community and the arts community. Amos Cochran is an Emmy-nominated composer, musician, and sound artist based here in Arkansas. Amos has composed work for film, theater, radio, TV, and he's won a lot of honors, including a 2010 Kennedy Center Excellence in Composing Award, and he's had work premiere in films at the 2017 Sundance Film Festival. In 2019, Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art commissioned Amos to do a sound piece for their outdoor exhibition, Color Filled. And that same year, uh, Just Kids, who is a global uh, art um, organization that they curate the unexpected down at Fort Smith every year, they chose Amos to be one of their artists that year. And Amos also performs um, you know, live with piano, strings, electronics, and it's just a really incredible show, and you know, performs as the audio ensemble Air Structures. So I want to welcome Amos to the show, and I guess, Amos, let's just start it off. Tell me a little bit about you know, your creative process. Just give me the elevator pitch on it. So the quick elevator pitch for me is I am a musician who has ended up creating uh, film scores and art installations. That's like the fastest thing that I can say. Um, but the overall process of how I've sort of gotten to this point um, has been something that started a very, very long time ago when I was a little kid and wanted to play bass in bands. And it's gone from that to, at this point now I do, I score um, all kinds of different films. I write my own music and uh, create art installations, sound installations, and visual installations. I think now people tend to know you more for piano and uh, things like that. But there was a long time you were uh, a working musician. You were out there uh, playing bass and you know, just getting steady work in, in a lot of bands. Bass players and I guess really good guitar players and drummers have that luxury, which is really great. Um, but I like that because it really got me used to working with um, different groups of people. And I really fell in love with just being on a team and creating stuff. I mean, that's kind of what I was doing without realizing it at the time. It was just playing bass. But that was really the beginning of working with a team of people to create something. Um, so when I was 20 my daughter was born and all of a sudden everything changed. And I thought, well, all I've wanted to do is play bass in bands. And now all I want to do is be home. Uh, and those things don't really go that well together. Cause when you're in a band, you're gone all the time. You're loading gear out of clubs at three in the morning. Um, and that was, that was a decision. All of a sudden I thought, that's not what I, that's not what I want to do. Um, so then the question was sort of put to me, uh, but I mean, I just, I asked myself, how can I be home? and continue to make music. Um, so that was sort of the beginning of shifting from I just want to play bass to actually I want to make music uh, or I want to create things. Um, so I did, I had, a, I had a pretty big shift where I stopped playing live, really for the most part, I played a little bit. Um, and I got a little white MacBook. <clears throat> it's always tell everybody, it's the kind that, remember those white MacBooks where the edges cracked off and you would send it into Apple and they would fix it and then they would crack again. It was like the worst design in the world, but I, it got me creating my own stuff. Um, 
I learned how to use GarageBand just by opening it up and tinkering around. Um, and at the same time, I had moved down to the River Valley where I live now. And um, I thought, well, maybe I should get a little bit of formal training on composing, quote unquote, because um, I had everything I had learned had really been self-taught. I had done a little bit of music in college at the U of A, but I couldn't even read music. And to this day, I really still can't read music that well. Um, so I didn't have any traditional long form formal training. Uh, so I, I found that there was a composition teacher at the U of A Fort Smith. And so I totally just knocked like cold, knocked on his door one day up on campus and said, I want to take lessons from you. And he laughed. He said, well, you can't really do that. And I thought, well, sure, of course I can. Like, you're here. I'm here. I want to make music. I want you to help me with that. Um, and so, you know, we obviously talked, and he said he can't really do that in that fashion. So we ended up, I, I, I joined school for a little while. And I worked with him for um, about a year, not even really knowing what I was doing. It wasn't a specific thing. It was just I needed time working on writing music. I had spent all of this time and all of these years learning how to play bass and playing bass with people. Um, and so I knew that I just needed time and, and focused uh, thought towards writing music. How does this work? Um, so that then kind of shifted me into a period where I had my little white MacBook and I was writing strange experimental stuff on that and learning how to produce at the end of the day. It was, I mean, writing, I, I'm, I'm I started to learn all the hats that we wear. We say, oh, Amos is a composer. Well, it's actually an arranger and an editor and a producer. And it's all those things that you end up being when you make stuff. Um, so I was making weird stuff on my laptop, but then on the other side with this, um, uh, Charles Booker, who was my teacher at the time, um, I was learning a much more traditional form of actually like how to put the music on paper, how to orchestrate it out for groups. Um, and he had me write a piece for a symphonic, uh, wind symphony. Uh, it was like a three minute piece of music and I spent a whole semester on it. We had two rehearsals. The rehearsals were really bad. And the music was really bad. It, we performed it, and I just I hated it. It was so. It was not what I had been used to doing. Um, I had been working with bands, and we just had this time in the garage practicing, and it was so great, and I loved it. And then all of a sudden, this other realm. There's all these people. I don't know any of them. Nothing about this is personal. So I got done with that, and it was cool. I mean, we did the piece. They played the piece, and it, it was okay. But it was totally like I thought. This the amount of time I'm putting into this. This is not what I want to continue on doing. Um, well, at the same time, I continued to make the weird experimental stuff on my laptop, and I had a little CD. Remember when we burned CDs? That was so fun. Um, I had a little CD of just, I think it was like 25 just things. Like some of them were 20 seconds, some of them were five minutes, just a bunch of, it was just a little collection of stuff. And I was starting to give it out to people when I would talk to them if they needed music for anything. I thought, well, who knows? Maybe people need music for stuff. And I was at my cousin's wedding, and he, uh, one of the, I guess, uh, yeah, one of the groomsmen with me in his wedding, he was from LA and his friend had just finished a film. And I said, oh, we'll give her this CD of really bad music <laughs> and tell her to call me. Um, so she did. She called and she said, hey, I have this nine minute film and it needs music. And I heard you write music. And so I thought, well, sure, let's do it. I'll take it on. Um, so that was a film called Vice. Um, and it took me nine months to score a nine minute film which at this point is hilarious. Uh, and But that's how you learn. You totally just dive in face first into that. So in really a pretty short amount of time, I had gone from I'm going to play in bands to I want to write music for stuff. I had composed a, a piece for Wind Symphony, didn't like the experience. Then all of a sudden I was making something for a film, and I liked it a lot more because the director and I, 
we were in collaboration a lot more. We talked more, the ideas, we had conversations more. And that's what I realized I liked. Uh, well, looking back on it now, I feel like that's what I like. I like the process of making things. I think it's so fun to start with nothing, find all the problems, and then create a thing out of it. Uh, and I like doing that with a group of people for the most part. Um, so I finished that film, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then I was talking to a buddy that summer who had just gone to the Little Rock Film Festival, and he had been part of a film that was at the Little Rock Film Festival. And he said, you need to call my friend Daniel. And I thought, okay, cool. Uh, so I, this, I, I ended up calling uh, Daniel Campbell, totally cold called Daniel, and said, hey, uh, I heard you're making another film. Uh, my friend Matt was in your last film. He said to call you, let me score, um, let me score your, your next film. And he said, cool, can you do 40s jazz music? And I said, yeah, absolutely, of course. Even though I had absolutely, I had no idea how to do 40s jazz music. Like, I didn't have the first clue. But I knew that I wanted to, I liked this process. I wanted to explore this process. Um, so I completely lied to Daniel, told him I could do it. Um, I got the job, or gig, or however you want to put it. Um, and we figured it out. And then that year, we won the film festival with that. I mean, short story, we figured, I figured out how to write what we needed to write, how to record it. And... Yeah. So after you and Daniel uh, finished on The Orderly, uh, how did your career grow from there? Yeah, I mean, so like after The Orderly happened, I met, I think when we were talking the other day, I, was, I mentioned like at the Little Rock Film Festival, they used to have a night where everybody would go out on the uh, river boat. And it was so cool because you were sort of trapped for four hours with a massive group of people that all sort of wanted to do the same thing. And the night The Orderly premiered, we had that boat party and I met on at that, on that in that three hour period, I met everybody that I then worked with for like the next three or four years. Um, and so then, yeah, I mean, to kind of finish the progression to a certain point, I thought I like this way better than writing wind symphonies. And there's all this collaboration and there are these groups of people and there are these teams putting these ideas together. And so that, yeah, that's, that's what happened. I mean, from then on, I, I sort of threw myself into writing for anything that came my way. Uh, I would, I mean, I would search stuff out, but also too, at that point, once you meet, it's like anything, once you meet people and there's a group of five people working on it, you do that one. And then one of those five people goes and they do something else. I mean, it's sort of the typical, you know, evolution of groups of people working together. So do you have a favorite genre to compose for? You know, I mean, I guess to talk about lighter and darker, Sort of stuff. I love to live in a much darker realm. Um, on a sound level, I really like um, I like stuff that can be very borderline sad and very borderline dark. Um, I don't love like I don't really want to score romantic comedies um, at all. That's not comedy stuff is not that much fun to me. I, I like um, I like stuff that has a more darker mood. But when you're doing film stuff, you don't really get to make that decision. The film gets to make the decision, or the director gets to make the decision. Um, when you're working on music for a film, you are at the mercy of, um, you know, what the film needs. I mean, I had a friend tell me one time, he said, you know, the film is king, is how he put it. We can have all these ideas, and even the director can have ideas, but the film is going to tell you what it needs. And you have, I mean, your job as a film composer is to figure that out and, 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 and make that happen. And so I didn't really think about it as, oh, I like this kind of genre, so I'm only going to try to do this. When I first started doing this, I would just do any possible thing that I could. And some stuff works and some stuff didn't. And then throughout, I mean, at this point, I have a realm I like to work in that's kind of a, 
I would say, a darker, more moodier realm. But, you know, I've also scored, like, toothpaste commercials, <laughs> which is not a, a, a dark realm at all. Um, so, you know, it just sort of depends. But I, I, I do tend to prefer stuff that can be a little slower and a little darker at this point. So do you have any favorite films that you've scored? I, I was thinking about all the Arkansas films that I've scored. And I, instead of breaking them down into just like specifically one film or the other, what I realized and I loved so much about what I've done over the years is I sort of, I have, I have directors where I have done multiple films with those directors. And I almost like, like more than just a specific film, I love working multiple times with the same person and how sounds and ideas can evolve through that. So, um, yeah, I've put together a little list here uh, of that sort of situation. So, and it, it sort of goes in order to some extent. Um, so, obviously, uh, the like Daniel Campbell was the first director that I worked with here, and I scored his film The Orderly, The Discontentment of Ed Telfair, and this uh, short bit that he did on YouTube called The Paralegal that was pretty funny stuff. Um, and you know, those are all three very, very, very different uh, kinds of films. Uh, Ed, Terf Ed Telfair is much darker. Um, it's definitely that much darker, shadowy kind of realm. The Paralegal uh, really it doesn't have a lot of music. It has more, you know, in um, oh, Scrubs, where it's just like there's like a sound that happens in between scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we came up with tons of those. That was that was really interesting to go from like writing these longer pieces of music to it's like boom, you get one hit, and how like all of a sudden if you just get one sound between stuff you have to choose it so wisely. And it's like, it's, it was kind of neat to learn how just like one sound in between scenes can change what you just watched and can set up what you're about to watch. So that was cool. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, obviously, I mean, I think uh, the orderly and just that process was one of my favorite ones. And so the tune that I picked for us to listen to from that, it's, it's called Oranges. And it was sort of the main, it became sort of the main theme. It only plays once, I guess. In it, but it plays in this time where things are going crazy in the film, and this car ends up, they start throwing oranges at this car. But it's just this really, um, it was my attempt at writing a sort of 1940s sounding uh, jazz piece. So this is a piece called Oranges. Okay, and so the next, uh, let's see, the next group of films in person that I have on this list. Um, is a very, very dear friend of mine, uh, Dwight Chalmers, um, who I have to tell a little bit more about Dwight because there's a great Dwight story. Um, he's somebody I've worked with a very, very long time. Um, when, my band, when I was playing in bands in high school, we ended up going, Dwight had a studio in Fayetteville for a very long time called the Listen Lab. And all the bands that I was originally in in high school and early college, we all recorded there. And just had, it was Dwight's house uh, in Fayetteville. And we had so much fun. Dwight was great, just a wonderful guy. Um, very quiet, but just he was, he was really wonderful to work with. I just remember really liking him. And then all of a sudden, he kind of disappeared. Like nobody knew where Dwight went. The studio wasn't around really anymore. And um, <clears throat> he was, I just, I always wondered what happened to Dwight. So when I was scoring The Orderly, Daniel sent me a DVD of the rough cut of the film and I'm watching the opening credits, and it says sound design by Dwight Chalmers, and I just died. I was like, wait a minute, Dwight Chalmers, this is Dwight? Is this what Dwight's doing now? So I called Daniel, and I said, um, I said, hey, is this Dwight Chalmers, like, is, like, has glasses, never says anything, but when he says something, it's absolutely perfect, um, and it's just a wonderful guy. Yes, it, it is, um, and he said, yeah, that's Dwight. So 
that moment changed like from then on until like I was talking to Dwight this we've talked twice this week so like he's he's really become one of my closest friends um you know you I think any group of creative people like I like I have a very 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 small group of people that if I'm going to release anything or do anything they are going to listen to it and they're going to say yes or no <clears throat> and Dwight has become one of those people for me um and those of you that don't know, most of people listening to this probably will, but Dwight has done sound on just countless things. He's, he's, he's done sound design, and he's done field, uh, field sound for uh, countless projects. Um, so over the years, Dwight and I started working together where I was the composer and he was the sound guy. Um, so a whole new relationship for Dwight and I happened. Um, and then on the side of things, Dwight makes his own films that I really think are the neatest films that I've seen. And they've only really been shown a few times and most people haven't even seen them. But he shoots everything on Super 8 camera. And Dwight's deal sort of with films is he'll call me, he'll be like, hey, I have a new thing we're going to work on. And so that means I go to my calendar a year from that day and put Dwight's going to probably send you something. <laughs> because it's just like we're never in a hurry. The process... Uh, it always just works itself out. And so therefore, we end up just making these really, really neat films. Um, I've done the, the Letter from Astoria was the first one that I did. Uh, one Bolt at a Time is another one. And there's a film called uh, The Grid at Cole Hill that I did half of the score with uh, my dear friend Kevin Blagg did the other half of the score. Working on Letter from Astoria, I feel like it really changed a lot for me as far as the way I think about things. Because Dwight, he said... So when he shot this film, actually, I, mean, I hope I can get this right. He actually shot the film in the 90s with some Super 8 that he had. Um, and the way he put it, he was in New York. And the way he put it was, if everybody's looking to the left, I'm looking to the right and seeing what's going on. If everybody's over here going, oh, look at that thing, he's turned around and looking the other way. And it just has this feel that's just like, I didn't. I loved it because when I first watched it, I didn't understand it. And I don't even know if I understand it today. And I don't know if there's even a reason to understand it. But it was just this wonderfully abstract thing. And so we talked about it a lot and what he wanted musically. Um, and he then came up with this concept where, like, he, would, he said, pretend you walk into a room, like, late at night on a Saturday night. And the TV's on, but it's on mute. And then the record player's on. And there's music playing. And so there are these two things happening. You have this, you have the record playing and you have the visual of the TV. And those things are not supposed to go together. But in that moment in time, they do go together. And they create this, it, it's this own unique entity. And I just loved this concept. And I, to this day, I still love this idea of things that aren't really supposed to go together, going together. And then they're supposed to go together in a certain way. So that was the idea for the score for this film. And he said, pretend that you're... He said, you have a little group, and you guys are doing some weird experimental music, and you can do whatever you want, but let's keep all these concepts in mind. So I set out and made a, it's like a, I mean, it's like a four and a half minute piece of music. And at the time, I had really gotten into reading about uh, the sort of offshoot of jazz that happened in the mid-60s in Europe, where they were using classical musicians and classical instruments, but playing jazz. Um, very different than what was going on over here. And I just loved this concept. I thought it was great. So I put together, I wrote this piece on like a Wurlitzer um, piano. And then I did the whole thing out. It was about four and a half minutes. It's really just the same thing, just this big long loop. And 
then I took it around to some of my friends. My, uh, my friend DJ uh, played saxophone on it. And what I told him to do, actually, I didn't even go to him. He had just sent this to him. And I said, I want you to just, I had a written part. Again, this is similar to the orderly. Like, I had a written part I wanted him to play. But then I asked him to just improvise over the entire thing like five or six times. Play whatever you want. Like, it doesn't have to make any sense. Um, then I took his improvisation and I cut it up and I like moved it around and put it where I liked it. I then did this with a friend who plays vibraphone, a friend who plays clarinet, and then I played cello on it, same thing, and then some weird electronic stuff. So we had this ridiculous hodgepodge of um, more traditional instruments with very non-traditional instruments. And um, so it was perfect for the film. And like I was talking to Dwight this morning about it and we were both just like, oh my God, that film is so, so great. Yeah, I've seen some of the films that you're referring to um, that you guys did together, and they're pretty incredible. I mean, it's trippy, and it's just an experience, and I really loved them. But Okay, so you, you learned a lot from these experiences working with Dwight of you know ways to think outside the box and be avant-garde but still make it work. Uh, so, you know, l let's talk, you know, more of just, you know, like traditional narrative film. Uh, do you have like one that's a favorite that you've worked on in, in that area? Early on in all of this, meeting people, uh, I, my friend, I met my friend Aman Abbasi, who to this day has probably been one of the most influential people on my music making, on my artistic, anything that I, I do. Aman's one of my best friends, and um, we have just done countless work together at this point. Uh, we're always throwing ideas back and forth, um, even today, even stuff that we'll know, nobody will ever see we're working on a lot of the times. Um, but Amon uh, made a film called Davion uh, that premiered at Sundance uh, in 2017, actually. So it's been a, it's been a couple of years. Um, but we did the music for that, and that was a wonderful bit of collaboration of Amon uh, writing some main themes and having some music, and then me coming to the table and taking that music and adapting it uh, sort of for the film. Um, and working with Amon, similar to working with Dwight, in the sense of like you, you, you end up finding these people to work with and, you know, some of them are great and you love them and it's great and they, they sort of pass by and you go, cool, we got that done. But then some of them really do make more of an impact, uh, much like Dwight's films have. Uh, but Amon's been that for me. And we really, with Amon, we really got into the, um, the sound of things. And that, like, working with Amon really shifted how I think and how I approach recording instruments and producing instruments. Um, and I think we, we worked on the music for this film for almost three and a half years. Um, and it was almost not even the music, but it was the ideas in the music, and it was um, the sound of the piano and the sound of the strings. Um, and to this day, and forever, Davion will always be one of my favorite things that I worked on. Anyways, let's shift gears for a minute. We have talked about you know, some of your favorite projects. We've talked about you know how you got into it and you know some of these things you've learned along the way. But why don't we take a look at something that you are currently working on and you can really walk us through the process of you know, how you made this today. Right, so there's two projects I thought we would look at just so we can see how the process is fairly similar with, you know, no matter what the film is. But um, the first one we're gonna look at is a film called From the Ground Up that is by a director named Jeremy Rogers from Austin. Um, and the film is about, uh, Jeremy actually, he moved to Palestine for three years and he lived there, and he documented uh, a farm in Palestine, and what the farm was having to go through 
to just keep their farm, to keep the land that had been their family's land forever. Um, and so what the documentary sort of turns into is a very unique look at the Israeli-Palestinian conflict from the perspective of what would sort of just be a neutral party of these people just want to keep their farm. Um, so pretty heavy subject matter, which a lot of documentaries um, can lean in that direction. Usually the better ones do. Um, and we've had a great time with it. Jeremy's been fantastic to work with. And I was digging through, so like I have folders for like, these are all different films or different projects. So this one's kind of gotten pretty big for a single project at this point. I mean, it is a feature, so it has a lot of music. But I was looking back through like some of our initial conversations. I say I was looking back to it. It's somewhere in here. Um, and you know, the process goes, we sit down and hang out and we talk about the film. We talk about what they, what he's wanting from the film, what I think would be kind of cool for the film. And um, he had mentioned some of my older music that he liked. Um, and you know, one thing we were trying to really avoid was this like inspirational documentary. That's not the whole, the whole point of this is to create something that just tells a very good story in a fairly subtle way because the music can so heavy handedly turn something into this like victorious sounding thing or this really sad sounding thing. Um, and we wanted to just kind of be, we needed to support the story the whole time, obviously, but stay out of the way. You're not um, trying to like Hans Zimmer this and do right. the gladiator stuff. Not really. Well, actually it's funny because the first cue, and we're not going to look at that, but the very first cue does kind of go over the top, but it does it in a very cool way. Okay. Um, I was trying to find, I'm just like, we have tons of paper. I mean, you can see it's like I constantly write yeah. stuff down. So, all right. So when we were first talking, I usually ask directors to give me... Um, some adjectives, like a lot of times, more than the story, more than anything. I like, what are some adjectives that you might be after? And he really leaned into this pensive, reflective, and mysterious. Those are three adjectives that I just kind of took. And then with this film, he already had it edited. So there wasn't any script involved. A lot of times it's, you know, let's have a chat, then I'll read the script. Um, and so what happens at that point is I just kind of go away for a while. We actually talked about this film, I think for two months before I ever started working on it. But um, so I went away and I'll just like tinker around with things. And so I was looking back through voice memos and I was trying a few things and nothing. I didn't really like it. Um, but then I, we finally landed on, you know, I, it's, it's nice when you can land on a theme. And that's sort of as classic as it gets. Like, how do we take a theme and then evolve this theme? Um, so I actually went back and I found the voice memo of me, like, first messing with the theme. Um, so I wanted to start with just listening to a little bit of that. And it's just me, like, walking around my house, like, humming, which is sort of strange. But that's really how it, it starts out. It's a mess. It's just a total mess. So this is the first voice memo of me kind of finally realizing what this theme was going to be. And then like I sit down at the piano, I'm like, let me find this. You know, I'm humming this thing, I hear it in my head, I've got to find it now. I'm like, it's a mess. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Like just hitting keys and going, that's not it. And then I was like, okay, there we go. There it is again. So, even so obviously, I mean, you can tell that like I'm struggling, I'm hearing something, 
in my head because I'm humming it earlier on, but I'm really struggling to find out like what 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 are the notes? What is the what are the chords? When you're humming it, do you even have an idea what key or it's just Oh no idea. Discovery? No. That's when I sit down. I actually sit down and played the first note right the first time. But yeah, a lot of times it's just tinkering around and let me pull up a piano sound. I mean, a lot of times it's you find it. So that's why a lot of times it's whistling or it's just kind of humming a thing out loud. And then, cause you know, I always sort of like to think of this as the music's already there. I just have to find it. Cause I don't ever know what it's going to be, but I know what it's not. Yeah. So like in my head, if I'm thinking, and I go like, well, that's not it. Well, there it is. Or is it, oh no, it's this. It's like, then there's this transfer from there's the idea to this is what the idea is. Um, so without boring you through too many long voice memos of me fumbling around, I'm going to finally play the theme as I finally realized it. And then we can look at it in context of how I would then take it and put it into the score. Yeah. Okay. So this is the theme then when it, once it's much more realized and I have the chords behind it. So that goes from, that's a pretty quick look at from I'm humming this thing while I'm making coffee to, all right, now I like this idea. Um, and I think this really long, this voice memo I first played, it's actually like 12 minutes of me just totally fumbling through and messing around. Um, when I finally get that voice memo to a place I like it, then I send it to Jeremy. And before I even made it in the computer, I said, hey man, I think I figured, I think I figured something out sort of thing. It's like, I think I got it and maybe. So he checked that out and wrote back and he just said he absolutely loved it. So then we use that as like, a, this is now a road to walk down. Okay. There's not, you know, we're slowly kind of like focusing in on what the idea is going to be. Um, and again, this is just a short little theme. This is by no means like, we don't just play this theme over and over again in the score. We always hint at it though. It's like, there's a lot of times in the film where musical play, but then it ends with this kind of thing being Is played. the music all basically in this key, though? You know, yeah. it is, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, and do, is that how it typically works um, in the score? Or? I think for somebody like me that's not very good, like, yes. It's easier for me to keep it in the same key, for the most part. Um, I, I like, I think that creates the sound identity. I mean, I'm, when I talk with directors, one of my big things is creating the sound identity of a piece, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if it's for a 30-second Thing or especially for any, any piece that's longer, like a short film or a feature film or um, anything that is going to have time built into it because you create that musical identity. And for me, and a lot of what I like to do, I like when that stays around in the same key. Um, if the director were to ever have notes of like things that are starting to feel redundant, then you can go, okay, we'll change the key. But again, I'm not trained musically. I mean, I've learned all this of my own. So like just the idea of like changing all this in a different key would be such a hilarious amount of work for me to do it that I'll just hang out here. But I love the vibe that that creates. So um, let's listen to a bit of the score that I've created. So if that's the theme, then it's like, okay, cool. What's the sound identity? Like what is the, I mean, that if, the, that if those are the notes, what sort of sounds end up creating the world of the film. So let's listen to a little bit of what I've come up with for that and then you'll hear that main theme come in towards the end of that. 
adjectives pensive reflective and mysterious I yeah. think so you go well how do you create that and then how do you put it all together and a lot of times it's great then you go to so if the process is this was in my head I'm humming it and then we go to well we, we have a theme we're gonna record that then we create the sound world for that with the theme then we can go oh cool let's go to the picture now and let's let you know let's let the scene direct when these things are supposed to happen because when you just listen to it like that, you go, oh, cool, well, that makes, you know, it sounds, it makes sense musically. But the reason I bring all these things in, and we can't see it, so there's no reason to really watch it again, but like, this is all happening because of what the film's doing. Yeah, I mean, that's the process. And you do that over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. I mean, so it's not that, it's really not that complicated. It's just, it's being totally okay with having no idea what to do. And so you're using Logic Pro for right. all this. And with that, I mean, you build this theme basically on, you hum it first and it goes into piano. From there, I mean, because I'm hearing strings, I'm hearing other instrumentation, there are, how, I assume that there are like synthesizer type, I don't know, I'm not a musician, so I don't know right. the best term, but it's like, okay, these are the notes I want to play and I, I can pick, I want it to be on a guitar or I want it to be violins or, or right. how does that work? Sure, so, um, so yeah, that process then begins what's going to sort of just be arranging. It's like, how do you, and you know, when you're creating that sound identity, a lot of it has to do with the arrangement. Um, I'm me, so there's going to usually be piano, um, the most of the main stuff. And like, so the way this keyboard's laid out, I can make it sound like a piano. Yeah. I can make it sound like this thing. Which these are all just set up as different sound banks and different things. I landed on this thing, which is... It's a sample of an Ons Marnot, and it it really doesn't sound like one at all, but it sounds like a neat little organ-y yeah. kind of thing. But just yeah. like that, if I just, just playing this, like that creates a pretty cool vibe. Oh, like yeah. It creates a really cool space to live in. Really dug that. And then this other, you know, I'm usually, I usually have piano, and then I have some strings, and then I have what I consider textures. Mm -hmm. So... Finding those textures, a lot of times, I'll create a base out of those textures. When I say a base, like just like a bottom thing to to stand on. So there was that thing, and then there was these string textures that I liked, which is the same thing. It's just a patch that I found in all of my samples, and it, it, I don't like how it sounds if you play it hard, but if you just barely just kind of tap yeah if you just barely have it float under this I like that that's a nice little thing and then usually you know so then we have a cello come in and again these are all sample instruments so the the idea is always to and at this point I'm pretty adamant about whatever I'm writing we're going to go into the studio and record with real string players um, I do have a cello but I'm terrible at it and um, I have very good friends that are very good <laughs> at these instruments and so yeah. I will write them so then the cello sounds like this which sounds terrible this is actually really high for a cello yeah it's the harmonics so it sounds kind of odd 
But I'm just playing all of this in, like. And, and so this is essentially just the demo for the score, and right. then you guys go in there and right. then you bring in. The whole A thing. lot of it, like all the texture pieces, will stay. Um, We'll re-record the piano, we'll re-record all the strings. Um, and a lot of times too, we'll even, depending on what sound we need to get in the overall process, we'll use some of these samples but push really far in the back. And those will, again, those will almost turn into more of a texture. But the real players will make this sound infinitely better. And with percussion, do you use, or do you use much percussion? You know, I don't score? use a lot of percussion. This score, does this track have any percussion? It doesn't. There's some lower hits that I've been using later on, but even those hits are actually not drums. They're a <laughs> they're a piano library that has recorded someone hitting the inside of a grand piano. Oh. So it gives it this very different vibe than drums. I, I'm not a huge, I don't do a lot with rhythm. Actually, the other piece that we're gonna look at in a minute does actually okay. have a little bit more. So um, for this film, I mean, this was the vibe of it. We liked this. And then it, the conversation goes, it's like, hey, do we like, do we like this? You know, and this is one theme of I think two or three that we kind of honed in on. Um, and one of the other ones is this much, this idea of this frenetic, faster. Kind of string stuff that's real. This gets much more intense, obviously. Um, So, will that be used in the film as well, or is that yeah, just kind of a... Okay. Um, yeah, but again, we'll play that with real instruments. Yeah. Um, like this violin part that sounds wretched, but this thing. Yeah, this log, that'll get re-recorded, all the piano. But a lot of these texture things, so that if we look at the textures that are going on, these will stay to some extent. Actually, that fast picky thing is gonna get replaced with something. But these, again, these are our textures that we've created. So that stuff will stay and we'll remix it, obviously for the film to where it sounds a bit different. But, you know, this gives us, these textures are great because, you know, at this point I've created an ensemble. I've, there's piano, there's uh, cello, viola, and violin, and then there's these textures. And then there's this low piano which almost all the time, I mix these two together. It's a sub bass with a low piano. And that sub bass is a huge part of the sound. You don't really hear it as much as you feel it when it's really mixed in there. Then that kind of becomes, for the most part, the ensemble. So then each cue that I'm gonna make, there's the ensemble. So I just rebuild it. Like, what do I wanna write? Well, now I have the, this started me humming in my head, who knows what. And then it progressed to the point where I have this ensemble that I'm writing for, and each cue just becomes a you know I um, save a new project file and start over and erase everything and write the next cue whatever it needs to be, and that's the process. I mean, in a nutshell, that's really all that goes on over and over and over again. Um, let's jump over to another project real quick, that is a very different sound. I think the <laughs> if the, let's call, what do you call this sound to you? What is this? Man, I, dark and mysterious. Dark and mysterious. Okay, cool. Like, well, let's really, call it right. There's a definite. It has a heavy weight to it. You know, I think a lot of stuff like this too. It's um, it's slower. Like a lot of these cues have ended up turning into like. Man, that's a terrible example. I'm like. There's a lot of space between the chords. We have this time to sort of think. While we're listening, 
And I think that's actually what I prefer more than heavy, dark, happy, sad, whatever. It, it, I like that. I like creating stuff that gives you space to think. It's just accenting the situation yeah. as opposed to like overwhelming it. Right. Um, and you know, obviously sometimes we get into that really fast string stuff. It does overwhelm it, but that's accenting very specific things uh, in the film. Okay, let me pull up this other one. And so this is for, uh, this is a short film for a friend in Chicago. It's called Buy, Sell, Trade. Um, and right now we are writing, we're kind of throwing around ideas for the main theme, um, which what this film has to do is um, the cycle of how hard it can be to raise a family and to keep yourself afloat. Um, and this first theme that we're writing is really for our child character for the most part. And sort of like, this is kind of like the ideal, to some extent, the ideal um, life or the ideal relationship you would want to have with your children. Um, and so this has been a cool one too. So again, let's listen to the, um, the voice memo recording for a minute and then we'll jump to how it's evolved because this one's actually evolved a bit more from the voice memo recording so that sounds this is going to be way loud ah. and this is just me totally improvising on the piano for a while as usual it's just a mess when you start out nothing's realized at all Oh, there you go. I like that. That's going somewhere. And sometimes I don't hum it in my head for a long time before. I just sit down and play. Um, so I liked that. You know, again, I played it for this long. <laughs> I mean, I play. Yeah. It's really, I don't even know how long this is. It's probably like 15 minutes or so. Um, and then I sat down and I was like, okay, I want to make that up with the sample instruments and just kind of see what happens. So that was the melody. Obviously very different than the last thing we've been listening yeah. to. Um, but I wanted something where it was quite simple. So, because again, this is kind of the child theme. Do you remember what the adjectives were for this film? The adjectives were actually a little bit darker. This whole idea of like this cycle continues. Um, and he actually, initially we were throwing around a little more of a somber feel. And to me, there's actually something in this initial version that is kind of somber. It's like, we're happy and we're like skipping along over here. But then the melody on top, it's not perfectly happy. There's a sort of blissful ignorance. In a that little bit. You're, you're right. a child, heavy stuff's coming, but you don't quite know it yet. Yeah. So I made that up. But So then I, let's listen to how I arranged it. He had also sent me a bunch of, not temp music, but just kind of like music he liked that he was kind of thinking vibe-wise. And a lot of times I'll ask directors not to tell me exactly, don't, I mean, temp music is fine, and there's actually good uses for it, but... Um, if there's a sound world that you like, the sound if you already have a sound identity, you're sort of after. And he sent me a bunch of John Bryan stuff from like Eternal Sunshine. And I thought, oh, that has that like upright bass in it. So I put some upright bass in and then put a little bit more. He sent some hip hop stuff too. And so I didn't put hip hop stuff, but I put a little bit more of a beat. So this turned in 
before I sent it to him, this became this. Wait, hold on, that's me. I guess I was singing do, do, do it. Do you beatbox on, on that track? I do not beatbox on the track. I should do that. You can do that. Do, do your kids ever get embarrassed and like, Dad, you're doing it? No, not not really. I mean, they're actually fantastic and sort of wonder what's going on. And like, what's um, what's he humming about? Today? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times it's like. I need to go sit at the piano and record this for a minute. But really, I mean, I tried to do when, when I'm with my kids, I tried to not do too much stuff. Um, and I actually think, so the song I released last year at home, um, there's a voice memo of me the first time I ever played that song. And Lucy comes up and she's like, Hey, can we go outside? Like right (laughs) when I'm first playing through the chords, which is kind of fun to hear. So that tune though, that this turned into this. that piano melody now we're kind of fleshing out this sort of dreamy kind of world it actually sounds a lot like the first album i released is called unscored and it sounds a lot like the stuff from unscored so i sent that to gabe and he wrote back and he really really liked it but he thought it was a little too hopeful was his thought and we actually had a really great sometimes and what i do i will have like very serious work meetings at like 12 30 at night <laughs> because yeah. just you never know when people are going to be sort of thinking and ready to, to chat so he said that and i was like okay let me call you back in like 10 minutes because i thought so I thought, what does hopeful mean? If he's saying to me, this feels a little too hopeful, how can I go into the music and go, okay, what is making this feel hopeful? Because it's all about, like, you ask a question and you go, well, why does it feel that way versus a different way? And so then I realized this melody has a lot of these little fast transitions. There's a lot of fast movement that and so I thought what if we like didn't have any of that fast movement okay well like let's just say the fast movement is creating this hopeful feel what if we changed that up and so I went and did this and I'm going to just do piano so you can sort of hear the change in the melody so it's the same thing but it doesn't have as much fast movement. It's a little bit more somber at the end of the day. Yeah. Those lower chords stay the same. And just removing a lot of those quicker sort of things that happen. And so then I, you know, when you hear it all together, it's the same. I left everything else the same. That was the thing. I was like, I'm gonna just change the piano melody. sudden there's actually more space to think you're not as distracted you're not as distracted by these quick moving things so I sent him that and he really liked that and so now we're headed in that direction with it there's also this version I was like well man what if we just muted the melody altogether and then the bass sort of becomes the melody and I actually like this one best right now you know 
it's totally different. You take yeah. the piano melody out, just the piano melody, you mute that. So, you know, this is very early process of stuff. We're just starting to work on this. Um, and we like this and we're gonna do something with it. So now what I've actually done, we don't have to listen to it, but we like that. And so then I, there's one scene he's cut that's kind of montage -y. And I'm writing like a version, I'm arranging a version of that to the montage scene. And then he's gonna take that version and edit it however he wants. So, um, you know, there's no one way to go about any of it. It's just trying things out and mainly being able to collaborate with whoever you're working with because everybody's gonna work a little bit differently. I mean, on Jeremy's film, he, he's had very few notes. I mean, I've written a lot of music and his notes have been very small and he's kind of just let me do whatever. Um, with Gabe's film, he's sort of, he's an editor himself and he, well, Jeremy's an editor too, but Gabe's film is still in flux a lot. So I'm like, okay, cool. We like this musical world. Here's some, here's some ideas and then use them however you want to. It's not so much like I'm taking the picture and moving along to the picture quite like I am in Jeremy's film. So, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'm that's, that's sort of, really, yeah. it's sort of like, I don't know what else to say, but I mean, that's kind of the, you do that and you do that a lot and you have conversations. And again, the biggest thing is you find if something doesn't work, figure out why. Yeah. Because the worst thing in the world is like, oh, I don't like that. It doesn't work. Well, why didn't it work? Well, I don't know. Well, then yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Like have, have a much, have a, have a, have a reason why something, sometimes something works. You don't have to necessarily explain it. It's like, man, that just, that, that works. And you can analyze it, but you don't need to. Yeah. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, let's figure it out. So Gabe was great. He's like, you know, it's a little bit hopeful. And so we take some of that stuff out. And some of Jeremy's notes have been real simple. Like, it's almost like very subtle additions or some stuff starting and stopping a little sooner. It's less about writing music and more about collaborating and finding people to speak similar languages to. And not like use a D minor chord here. I have a lot of directors that are like, oh, I don't know music theory. How are we supposed to talk? I'm like, well, I don't know music theory either. Really. So that's fine. Do you have a uh, select, like a pretty specific group of musicians you go to the studio with and record? Yeah, I've kind of honed it down. Well, I'm not even honed it down. I, I, Christian Torres always plays cello for the most part. Um, sometimes Matt Magakarth will play cello as well. I, I love what Matt does on, on the improvisation level. Um, Christian's just been my go-to guy for a long time. He was one of the first cello players I ever played with. Um, and then for a while it was Christian and Miranda Baker Burns. Um, Miranda moved, and so then it was really just Christian and I. With the last film score Christian and I did in the studio, he doubled like all the parts. We also didn't have very good of a budget for that one. Um, so Christian like doubled a lot of cello, playing it high, playing it low, to make that one. With this, um, with Jeremy's film, we're gonna have a trio, violin, viola, and cello. So that'll be Christian's playing cello, and um, I'll be working with Andrew Chu on violin and Grace Clark on viola. So I'm really excited to see what that sound sounds like. I mean, outside of the terrible sample instruments, um, to get in the room and work with them. We're gonna get to have some rehearsals before we actually do the score. Um, so I'm curious to see if working with them means I will then start to think, oh, I'm gonna always write for that. Because for the longest time I just wrote for piano, and cello and violin like that sound like most of the last full album I released like that was the sound I feel like I understood that sound and since I've learned how to do so much of this on my own it's like I'll add an instrument every few years that's <laughs> kind of what's happening um and then we'll record it um most of the most of the production is going to happen at Soul Studios and those guys have become my very close close team Anton Rasmussen and Grant Thomas um those guys really help me bring things to life in a cool way or will you be doing another album this year, by chance? Yeah. Um, a Modern Procedure for Breathing should be coming out this year. 
Okay. And since I'm saying it now, I guess it has to. But it's it's in the there's sort of like solid work through the end of March, and then there's a little bit of a break, and then there's a film I'm probably going to pick up in spring um, for an Arkansas director that we can talk about later. Okay. Just don't know for sure yet. Yeah. Um, if that happens, I'm really excited about it, and it should be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, a modern procedure for breathing should come out. And actually, I think some of the some film score stuff will probably be released. I think there's a score I did um, called Sky, and we're gonna try to time the digital release of Sky with the album release of Sky. Then hopefully the film score to both of these. I mean, that's what's kind of cool about doing films. It's like I do the work, but then on the back end I have a I have an album or I have a record or whatever you wanna call it. Um, it's not like you know, Amos's music on his own. That, that'll be a modern procedure for breathing at this point. That would be the only thing that's going to come out. I, I have a whole bunch of solo piano music I'd love to record, but I just don't have time. Like, yeah. I'm really trying to... I feel like my goal this year is... It kind of sounds silly, but it's, like, less but focused. So I'm trying to not do as many things, but the things that I am doing be very, very focused with them. So the quality continues to go up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, was there anything else we haven't touched on you'd like to talk about? Um... I don't think so. You know, I think we've I think we've covered it. If we haven't, obviously we can keep chatting at some point. But I mean, do you have any other questions or thoughts or no, anything no, you need I, I insight think... into? I mean, it's not that you know people sort of think it's this magic thing. It's like I sort of just sit down and fumble around <laughs> for a really but, long time until I'm like, but, that's but there cool. is magic to that. Once that's there is, but like it's just the process. You know, you've got to. I think there's this. I don't even know if it's a misconception, but it's like you are given the final product usually if you go watch a film you're given the final product i was watching um the harder they fall on netflix it yeah. came out in november i can't remember the director's name but that movie was, just blew me out of the water i didn't expect it at all and it was so good and i read about it and he had been working on that movie for like 15 years oh wow and you know but the end of it it's like two hours two and a half hours yeah um and he had one great quote they talked about time Time is the adventure. Time is the journey of the thing. And it's just kind of fun to continue to get to have those things pop up that I get to spend time with. Yeah. Well, Amos, thanks for being here on Real Talk Arkansas. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. So that's a wrap for this episode of Real Talk Arkansas. I'd like to thank my guest today, Amos Cochran. And if you're interested in learning more about Amos, you can go to his website, amoscochran.com. has the links for all of his social media. You can also find his music on Spotify and Apple Music. And, you know, just follow along because Amos is always a busy man and has a lot of cool projects coming up, both in the film world and, you know, the art and music world. So check him out. And thank you all for tuning in once again. We'll see you soon. Real Talk Arkansas is a production of the Arkansas Cinema Society. Theme music by Amos Cochran. To learn more about ACS, visit our website, ArkansasCinemaSociety.org, or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter.